Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature contemporary artist and painter Ferrari Shepard. His paintings blur the line between figuration and abstraction. He examines humanity of black people in the Americas and within the diaspora. Ferrari has traveled extensively and lived in various cities in Africa. His paintings reflect a dimension of time and space that gracefully shuttles between otherworldly yet familiar, nostalgic yet present. He has been featured as a guest lecturer at various universities and cultural institutions across the United States, Canada, and Ethiopia, including the African Union in Addis Ababa in 2014 and Harvard Law in 2015. His highly anticipated solo exhibition titled Heroines of Innocence is set to open to the public on September 12, 2020 at the Wilding Cran Gallery in Los Angeles. With that, I'm excited to feature Ferrari Shepard on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Welcome and enjoy. Ferrari, it's great to have you here. I discovered you on Instagram because I fell in love with your work, and so I'm delighted that you agreed to let me feature you. So let's start out with you basically telling us about yourself and when did you realize your artistic passion? Hi. First, uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, I think that your podcast is really cool. You have a, a great group of people thank you. on, you know. Um, so, you know, where did I find that, that I was an artist, I would say? Um, I guess it goes back to when I was in kindergarten, actually. and um, you know, and, and this is back in the day where, and they probably still do this, but they, they used to have um, all this like plastic fake food, you know, and all these little toys around and whatever. And then they, they would, we would have nap time and then we would have drawing time and drawing time started to like kind of, it basically captured me. And, um, and, I, and I just like, so I just love to draw. And then I, I started noticing that when I drew things, people were really excited about it, you know? So that was like my first taste of being like, oh, this is what it feels like to be good at something, mm. you know? And during that time, um, there, was, uh, there was even a submission to to the Art Institute of Chicago. And I was like a kid, I was like a child. And they chose, you know, some of these artists, some of the, the kid artists to display or temporary display. And I was part of that. So it was like my first museum show was in kindergarten. <laughs> that's great. You know, uh, so, you know, like I, that's when I knew I was like, you know, there, here's this thing 
that just brightens people's day up, you know, because like even when you're a kid, you know, whatever is happening in adults' life and back then, you know, whatever is happening in the political or social, whatever, you just notice that people are humdrum usually. And, and then when they see something you made, they just brighten up. So that that inspired me to uh, become an artist. And, um, you know, like I actually took a long hiatus from creating and it was maybe a 10 year. This was after I left the school at Art Institute. I think that all of the technical, the, 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 the years or just the hours of art history and the academic, you know, aspects of art really drained me. It drained me. And I think the reason for that was like, you, 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 you see yourself, like when I was, when I was a child or when I was in high school, you see yourself as a fish in a small pond. And then obviously you become this small fish in a big pond. You realize that there's 500 years of art history and almost everything has been done. So it creates this, um, just the perspective or just like the view of this, uh, is there anything that I can contribute to this? Uh, because there's so much, there's so many great things that have already happened, you know? So thinking back, was there a particular artist that influenced you as both a child and, and, and when you really started? You know, yeah, you know, uh, so as a child, I did not have an influence. I just like every other artist, I think there's a lot of artists who probably can relate to this. You visual artists, you just want to make things look real. <laughs> you know, like that is the criteria. It's like, does that look real? <laughs> and, you know, uh, I think that I remain kind of like focused on that until up until high school, you know, up until like, you know, senior year high school where there was this one artist that was at my, uh, my high school who he could paint everything and it looked so real to me at that time. Probably looks like shit right now, but um, <laughs> we can curse on here. Oh, this yeah, is, yeah, this yeah. is the curse thing. Okay, all right, we're going to say shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, I mean, but I was like, look, he, he drew Michael Jordan and the beats of sweat, which is like so crisp and real, you know? So I started going in that mode. And that was when I was... um when I was introduced to Michelangelo and Caravaggio in high school. And those became like the mode of what I was trying, I was trying to emulate them. And I kind of, I achieved it. I achieved it. And even then, okay, so it's a different situation. Now I'm in my art class, the senior AP art. And like, you know, all of the dudes, they're like admiring me. Like, oh, Ferrari, he's the best, this and that. So, you know, I entered the school of the art institute thinking I'm the shit. You know, and then I soon after one less than one semester, I realized I was like, I'm not the shit. <laughs> I'm really not the shit. <laughs> and I was like, I need, I need to find a visual language that's mine. That's what matters in this, you know. And you have Dada, you have the Dada movement, you have conceptual art. I never that that was never my mode, uh, just for various reasons, like. I just feel like it's a little over my head. You know, we we sit and we will watch. It was a video class in the, at school at Art Institute. And we literally watched this woman bang her head against the locker for 15 minutes. <laughs> and they were like, this is, this is deep. And I'm just like, what the hell? like, maybe she needs some help. Like, maybe she needs, like, literally, you know, we need to get her some help. So, you know, that that's something, like, when 
art, you know, when you go to art school or whatever, it's not a traditional college experience for one, you know, like for me, School of the Art Institute of Chicago downtown, there was, there's no real campus. The campus is spread out in different buildings, skyscrapers. Um, there were parties, but all of the people were pretty weird. You know, everyone is, you know, we're young, we're super young and we're, um, we're like very self-conscious and stuff like that. So the social, social scene, it wasn't like, you know, you go on a Howard or something and it's just like loose. Mm-hmm. So it was just a different, it, it molds you into a, a different type of person. And, um, you know, that's why I took a hiatus and I said, you know, whatever I'm doing now, I was doing a little, sh- doing little shows, group shows here and there. I said, it's not working. This realism, you know, for one, I, 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 as a, although I started out loving realism, you know, figurative realism, I was like, you know, there's something else that I crave, you know? And that's, you know, once that's when I, you know, went back to the fact that I had been introduced to, you know, uh, some abstract artists, Jack Whitten, uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat, De Kooning, uh, uh, Joan Mitchell. These people, uh, even even if you if you want to go back to uh, Jacob Lawrence, these people, they had something they would do. They were achieving what I was trying to achieve through this realism, but only with a few strokes. Hmm. And that, 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 that really, you know, it awakened something in me where it's just like, I have to find out what they're doing. Cause I want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? So that was the start. That was, that was my, that was my start of my journey of like, through it to, to abstraction. Okay. So, um, it wasn't easy because abstraction requires one to feel, okay? And feeling can't be, you know, it can't, it's not a scientific method to, to calculate feelings or to replicate feelings. It has to come from within. It has to be honest. So what, what I started to do is I practiced my line because I learned that, you know, be it any of the masters that we think about, you know, not, I'm talking like the, the abstract masters, mm-hmm. modern, modern, modern painters or modern artists. They have a line where if they draw that line, you know, you say that's Picasso. This is Degas. This is okay. Or it could be a dot or whatever it is, but it's something that they do. So I was, I was searching to find that. And uh, yeah. How, how long did that take you? Do you recall? You mean uh, once I set out, it took me roughly five years. Wow. Five years because like some of the early work, like, you know, when I was, uh, you know, as you know, I I was in a musical group with most deaf and we were in South Africa. And during that time we were making an album. I always expressed, well, he, we already knew like that. I was uh, a visual artist making music you know it wasn't the opposite you know so like i'm always gonna like at that time i started back painting i'm like i'm gonna make time for art so i I converted the backyard this is in cape town south africa converted into a studio and i'll have them come in you know i would try to like teach him some technique and while while i'm doing that I'm, i'm applying all these layers 
of paint and I'm scraping the layers off and I'm abusing the canvas and I'm just trying to find like, what is it that that's me? Right. Mm-hmm. And then during that time, I um, produced two paintings, which, you know, went on, you know, to go into like prominent collections with Isaku Mazoa in Japan, but they were uh, brain salt and um, sun slap Napoleon. And then this was just my attempt to try and bring some of the emotion that I could get through, you know, a, t- a, a slight dampen, dampening of an eye or a teardrop on in a, in a realist painting where you say, this looks real. And oh my God, this is a person. I wanted to bring that th- through abstraction. And what I found was like this kind of chaotic, controlled, chaotic, violent uh, layering of uh, paint. Mm. So that, you know, that, that, that was cool for a while. And I did that, I did that for, you know, about a year and I was still trying to, you know, become, you know, anyone would be lying if they was, they would, they say they're not trying to be noticed or make a career out of art. You know, like I was trying to make a career out of art and I was showing it to, you know, some dealers and different places, different um galleries and, they were interested, but not really. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I see something there, but not really, you know. And to this day, like, I kind of, I sit back and I think of all of the rejection that I received. And I say, you know, a normal person would just give up. I'm probably, I'm abnormal, <laughs> you know, because, I, I mean, like, for me, it was like, okay, so you don't like it. Or you would say, well, this well, I was told one of the most hurtful critiques that I was told, you know, and I come from the Art Institute of Chicago school, so I've heard some critiques. Um, but it was from the Stevenson in South Africa. They said that my work was unresolved. Unresolved. Wow. Unresolved. And it's funny because those paintings then sold to, you know, the billionaire guy and <laughs> Japan, you know. But I mean, I took that criticism and I think that I have, there is a healthy amount of competition that I have inside of me where it's like, if you tell me that I can't do something, that's going to make me go harder. I'm going to go harder because, and I'm going to work on myself and I'm going to make it to where the work that you see or whatever I produce is going to be undeniable, you know? And I think that that's a great, um, that's something great to to aspire to because we, we're never going to make the best work. I'm never going to make the best work, you know, uh, but me trying to achieve perfection will always expand my practice, you know? Yeah, and there's always, you can always find perfection and imperfection. Exactly. But I do want to, so fast forward to, to today, right, with regarding critics. Do you think they understand your work better today than back then when it was the opinion was that it was unresolved yeah i mean no and <laughs> so this is the thing <laughs> I, I put a survey up on instagram and i said do you think the art critics are obsolete and it was it, it, there was no like pretense like I, I was really asking because you know other than uh, our old pal jerry salts who's you know kind of famous critic you know I, I don't, in this age of like the, the social media and Instagram and people buying off of Instagram, 
I don't know if it's as relevant as it was in the 1800s or early 1900s, you know, where it was like, and then the critics just ripped it apart. Mm-hmm. Don't nobody care. You know, like uh, I said, don't nobody care. It's true. It's like no <laughs> one cares. No one cares because if the work is, if the work, let's just be honest, the capitalism is really a big part of art right now and has been, it's always been. But if the work is selling, and it makes people feel uh, people feel something. Then it's gonna be okay, you know. I don't think the people are, you know, reading art criticism and be like, oh, I don't know if I should buy this person anymore because this person who has Wi-Fi and an attitude <laughs> problem has said that I shouldn't like this. Right. I, I don't see that happening anymore. You know, the power has shifted. Social media has really level the playing field in a lot of ways and you know on top of that this pandemic has leveled the, the playing field you know where i heard a lot of criticism about art fairs and now that's that's like not a problem anymore because we can't attend them right it's not an issue right so everything you know things are things are always going to be the landscape is always going to be changing but the one uh, um, consistent thing or the static thing will be that the art artist must make art and the viewer is always has to be available to view it and they can feel whatever way they feel about it and they're gonna the viewer is always gonna tell the truth about the art you know mm-hmm. and I think that as the corporate structure of the art world just expanded you know after after picasso and you know warhol it became a commercial super capitalist in you know um endeavor so that kind of uh silenced the real critics the real critics are are the people and the collectors the people who 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 have the work in their houses who invest in the work you know not flip the work but actually love the work you know Mm -hmm. and everyone else is following behind those people yeah interesting so another thing i want to go back to so you've traveled quite a bit you've lived in africa are those experiences reflected in your work I think that they're reflected in the work as much as uh, my first kiss or <laughs> my first bike ride. Like, you know, the, I never want to be so obvious as to, I went to Africa and I lived there and here, boom, here's the dream. You know, like that, that, that would seem corny to me, you know? I, I allowed, that's the same thing when, when the pandemic hit and the quarantine, everybody was like, what are you making that reflects the, nothing like i'm the same person i'm you know usually my art at least i can only speak for my art it is you know it's created out of a sense of a safe place and safe places for me is either going into the past the distant past or you know looking at the world as this is is like a dream almost you know i don't want to focus on reality Reality, I know reality. Reality is that taxes are due, rent is due. People (laughs) die, you know, it's it's depressing, you know, so I don't feel that there's anything to be said about those things. So, you know, if anything, if I could describe my work in one word, it would be dream, a dream, you know, because dreams, dreams are really, you know, they're real too. They're real to to the person who's dreaming. And and I, I just think that they offer um, 
sometimes they offer insight into the waking life. And it's something that is really beautiful and majestic about a dream. And that's where I feel my, my paintings are coming from a subconscious place, you know. So is that how all your work is connected? All my work is connected. It's, it's, it's various ways it's connected, right? Uh, I would say that it is connected through this, through this dream or almost a, um, I'm channeling spirits from the past, okay? And sometimes I'll, and it's, you know, artists will understand this and other people will call me insane, but <laughs> I talk to the canvas. Like I talk, you know, you say, you say, talk to your plants. I talk mm-hmm. to the canvas. I say, what do you want to say? What do you want to say today? And then it comes out. And, you know, I'm looking, I'm in my studio now. I'm looking at a piece and the world to see it. You know, I'm having a solo show that's coming up. But um, it is, it's these figures that it's a large piece and they're coming out of the ocean into this like deep darkness. And it's almost like they're flying out with urgency. And that was a dream that I actually had where I was thinking about, you know, all of the, tra- like the trauma that shapes us as the people I'm talking about, African people, is, is unique in this world. I'm not saying that no one else has suffered, but the transatlantic slave trade was really unique. You know, these people were kidnapped, a mass kidnapping, and some of them did not make it. Some of them was, you know, thrown overboard. Some of them jumped. And that those moments, to me, they still exist in a spiritual way. And, and, in, in the world, just like the O.J. Simpson car chase is in our is in our psyche now. It's here. The fall of the of the um, of the Berlin Wall exists still. That moment, even though you know society will want us to forget it, mm-hmm. it still exists. And it was so traumatic, right? So I, I wonder sometimes what are these what do these people have to say about that? The people who experience this. And what came out is so bright and so beautiful is bursting with hope. And the pain, like I feel like pain, I never want to have a painting on my wall that makes me feel pain. The world makes me feel pain enough. Like I don't like art that makes me sad. You know, you can talk about something that is, or you can address or make art about something that is a serious topic that had to do with pain. But I feel like the job of an artist is to find the thing that makes it palatable. It's the same thing with the comedian. Well, you could talk about it like what Dave Chappelle used to do. I say used to. Talk about important things, but disarm people some. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's what I'm doing. That's the, that's the common thread, you know? And some of the early works I did last year, you know, I kind of got a hook into you know, where I wanted to be and, and something like I grew up with, I have, I have five sisters and my household was a matriarch, you know, cause all the men were either, you know, uh, in prison or they were, uh, just absent, you know, for certain, for different reasons. So growing up, I saw all these women and they were like, they were super women to me. They were super people to me. Because they taught me um, so much that I don't even have the time to, I don't have, we don't have the time to explain how much I was taught by women. 
You know, five, um, five's a big number. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, the late Kratos Muto, Kratos Muto was a Zulu elder who recently died. He died this year. And I think he was a hundred or something like that. This guy has books out. You can look him up. Kratos Muto, Muto. He once spoke about what the, about the dysfunction of society, modern society right now. He said that, you know, ancient ancient people, they had they had room for femininity. Like there was a space, a balance, where as masculinity, which is really represented through corp corporatocracy, war, aggression, destruction, these things, which are negative, you know, but there's also positive attributes to to masculinity, they are now dominating. Okay, whereas the feminine things associated with femininity, which is intuition, empathy, um, understanding that they've been pushed aside. And we now we need we need a a return to the balance of the energies, the feminine and masculine energies. And they both are equally important. But when one is dominating, then there is there's there's it's, it's not there's no equilibrium being achieved, you know. So with my art, I'm trying to, I'm trying to achieve that equilibrium. And I, I see, I still watch as people, like every artist, whether it be you know music, whatever you're watching, people as they're listening to your music. I'm watching people as they as they first encounter my work. I see something that sparkles in their eyes, mm-hmm. and I think there's a recognize it, like they recognize that this person, well, this this art, this piece is tapping into something that we're really missing right now. And it is that, you know, the empathy and the intuition. Um, and I almost think that sentimentality, like not, I wouldn't say my work is sentimental, but all of these modes that I just explained, they're viewed as something that is less intelligent. Like this, you know, in, in the last 20, 30 years since Warhol, we've kind of viewed art as this thing that should be stoic and should be deadpan, and you know that means that it's intelligent and it's smart. But I call bullshit on that, <laughs> you know, because if you think that you're smarter than you know, then 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 if you think that you're smarter than the universe, then you're in trouble, right? You're not witty. You're not, you know, you can't be that witty. And that's what I try to do. I, I try to avoid thinking the cerebral or thinking that I'm witty or I'm smart here because that's bullshit. You know, I would rather just show you pure love. And um, yeah, so that's my thing. I, I don't know, I talk about it. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I mean, like I said, I, I discovered you because I was captivated by, by your art. You know, what I, what I, I saw on Instagram. So let's, let's talk about your upcoming show. Okay. Well, it's going to be a wild and cran. I mean, when you read Wild and Crane, I used to say Wild and Crane, but it's really Wild and Crane. Those are those are the names of the two owners. They are they are partners, and um, it's a great gallery. They just uh, wrapped up a show, or they're still actually still happening with February jo- uh, James. Oh yes, uh, Car- yeah, uh, Karan Davis, and I believe Vanessa Beecroft who you know shots at Vanessa Beecroft I'm taking shots at you some of her art is really problematic especially her 
going to Sudan, trying to adopt babies just for a photo photo shoot and saying that she feels like a black man because Kanye told her that she could call herself a black man. Thank Mm. you. Okay. Mm. But go back to me. You know, like, I'm sorry, I have to call. (laughs) Like, people need to be called out. Like, because there's art and then it's like, you know, what we're all fighting for right now is against racism, you know, and, you know, it, it doesn't make sense for us to remain quiet while someone is expressing themselves while being racist. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yes, so she had a show at the same place that I'm having a show. And okay, <laughs> hi, hi, Miss Vanessa B. Croft. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's going to open in September. And like, I'm super excited about it. It's my first solo show in Los Angeles. It's my first solo show ever actually so um i feel like all all roads have been leading to this and um and i'm really excited to to get the feedback and i'm hoping that you know with the virus that we can you know have people show up still you know because i i don't i'm not interested in having um a virtual show Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would rather push it back than to have a virtual show. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure by then, hopefully, if this thing doesn't escalate too much, that you can at least have a few people, you know, view it at a time. Yeah, I think that's possible. And you know, we're in the same building as uh, Susan Villemeter, which is on the first floor. Uh, so they're building actually uh, a space on the roof where there will be a bar. And so it could be interesting when we were like, we're, we're hanging out on the bar upstairs where it's open, you have on your mask or whatever it is, and then you can come down and you can view the show, you know, but a few people at a time. Yeah, no, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. This has been great. So I'm going to ask the last question. Okay. And uh, this is, I've really enjoyed this. Um, so as an artist, what do you feel your role is? to be abused no i'm just playing no uh, <laughs> no so many hey look man hey if there was like people talk about i mean i'm not a religious person but jesus christ was supposedly a uh, carpenter so that created like he was an artist and it seemed like he was abused you know I, I just see I, I just see so many you know and i won't complain about it but you know, there are just too many opportunities for artists to be taken advantage of. And one, you know, another thing that this pandemic showed me was I was like, you know, the first thing that people fell back on was artists. It was like, oh my God, we're all going to die. Get all the toilet paper. And then what are we going to do? So where's, where's the art? <laughs> you know, whether it be versus or, you know, with Swiss beats or whatever, they're always looking to us. We're so important. A Mercedes Benz is art. You know, some people look at it as a luxury vehicle, but it is art. Anything that you enjoy in this world is art. Fashion. Okay? So why is it that, you know, artists have these stories of being ripped off or just completely disenfranchised and anything, even now in the visual art, you know, if you're a professional artist, anything that happens in primary or secondary market, uh, it all comes back down on the artist. Well, you went, you went to auction too soon, so you need to go apply at Walmart. It's just like, what? <laughs> Why is that my, my fault when someone else took my work and sold it for some crazy amount? We suffer. 
So yeah. the role that we have, like we are, we hold up, we make life bearable. Yes. Okay. And that is the role of artists. And you think the world will be better off if they start to recognize that and treat art as an essential entity, something that has, we need this. You can't go, it's, studies have found that you can't go more than two weeks without listening to music. Most people, they, it, you'll go crazy. Hmm. Yeah. You need music, you need some type of stimulation. So yeah, that's what I think. Well, it's been great, and I look forward to watching uh, your career as an artist. Right on. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, your energy's great, and your outlook is great. It's very, it's very good. But, but thank you so much. It's been great. All right. Everybody take care of yourself out there, and just remember to love somebody, okay? Some good advice. <laughs> thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.